0: That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Judging Megan to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash Judging Megan. And now back to the podcast. Hi, everybody. You are listening to Judging Megan with your host, Megan Judge. I am honored to have former Hermosa Beach Council member, Carolyn Petty and Heidi Swan, also a Hermosa Beach resident. She's a mental health and homelessness advocate. So I'm just honored to have both of you ladies on today. We're going to be talking about something that I believe is, I I will tell you, it was a shocking eye-opener to me when I did an episode with Michelle Leopold. So if my listeners can recall, or if they've listened to this episode, Michelle sadly lost her son, Trevor, to a fentanyl overdose in 2019, right before COVID. And I've now done some research and talked to Michelle and then had another guest on where we talk about um, what marijuana, THC, all the levels, everything that's that I had no idea about and I think most people don't know about. Um, so I think this is so important that I have you both on. Thank you ladies for coming on and talking about this. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Um, I must say, so a lot of my listeners are all over the country. I have listeners all over the world. So this episode is is really just about my community. I live in a beach community outside of Los Angeles, California. Um, Pot has been legalized. I know in many States it's been legalized as well. And this is something that I'm not anti uh, marijuana. I'll say that, but I am anti not having um, labels, not having, Information and I am anti to the fact that I think that there's people that are taking advantage of the bills that have been passed. And as a parent, I'm severely alarmed to know what is happening before our very eyes and people just aren't talking about it. So I really wanted to have Carolyn and Heidi come on and kind of talk to like give us an idea of what is happening. So why don't I start out just asking you both? I've I've only done one other episode where I have two people on at the same time as me. So it's always kind of like confusing because I've been doing this for a few years. And I'm like, well, who's going to talk next? But you're both in the same room, which is awesome. So, Carolyn, why don't I start with you and ask you kind of how this became important to you, an important topic? Can you kind of give me your background on that? Sure. Um, as a former
1: council member, Policy is really important to me as a 25 plus year resident. What happens in our town is very important to me. Um, I've always taken the position. It's not necessarily about what would detriment me personally. It really is about the greater good. What is best for our community has always been the lens through which I view things. And, um, I watched this happening from the very beginning. I was really fortunate to meet up with Heidi, who's amazing, who has tremendous depth of knowledge about the products and things happening in other states. But so we're a really good team because I can discuss it from the policy perspective. I can do deep dives into the legal aspects of the actual ballot initiative that most people's eyes would glaze over if they saw it. I think it's fascinating. Um, So that's really uh, why I got involved. It was disturbing to me, particularly as I read through the initiative. I think that for most people out there, unless you have been an elected official, you're not going to read ballot measures. You're not really going to understand some of the nuances of the ballot measures, which are absolutely vital. And I'll tell you that the industry is very clever with how they word things. And kind of goes to your point about your gut feeling is bills were passed and people were savvy enough to take advantage of them. And that's what we're looking at here.
0: Well, I'm going to tell you before I talked about Heidi and how she got involved. I personally am guilty of voting for the bill to be passed. And that was because I just, I was watching, you know, like CNN with Sanjay Gupta and all of this information about how marijuana can be healing. And, you know, I just, I just assumed it was safe. I had no idea. And then to add on to that i personally take a gummy to go to sleep every night i told heidi that when we met i'm like i had no idea how dangerous this is i am an adult i'm a fully formed adult i have a fully formed brain not doesn't always work so well as you just saw when i tried to do an ad but i do and i will tell you that there's a side of me that is like i am so i'm i'm going to say this i'm pissed off i'm angry at myself And I think that if people really understood like what we're going to share today, they never would have voted for it. And then not to mention the fact that it like, just like it's being branded to young children, you know, and just the things that they're doing. It's like what the tobacco companies did years and years ago. It's the same. It's the identical thing. So Heidi, Heidi. I want to I want to talk about you and how you got involved because your your background is so interesting and there's a whole story behind it. Can you briefly tell me how you became involved in this? Um and then also I love cuz we we Heidi and I are actually we have become new friends and we connected because of Michelle Leopold and my my past guest um Kate as well who came on to talk about Warren her son that had Um, taken his own life. So I was wondering if you could kind of like, tell me a little bit about how you got involved in this.
2: So, um, and Michelle Leopold is from Marin County and Mm -hmm. Marin County, just like the beach cities right now, we are trying to stave off marijuana companies from coming into our community. So Michelle is uh, in this fight as well, currently in Marin that they don't want more marijuana shops coming to them. And we don't want any coming into Hermosa Beach. And the reason that I don't is for the safety of our community. And we have lots of public data to show that there are risks to a community when they have a legal pot shop. And the way that I personally came around to it is because my brother was homeless and addicted and for a decade. And so he was either living on the streets or in jail. And we did, after we were able to get him off the streets, thank heavens, after about a decade of this, I started to see research which showed a link between teen marijuana use and adult schizophrenia. And I could not believe that. And of course, that is what happened with my brother. And this is uh, becoming more and more common knowledge in our state and in our country, so much so that we have a bill for warning labels on THC products right now in our state legislature, and that's something that Michelle is helping with and I'm helping with and because people must know that when they use a marijuana product that um, if they have a history of mental illness, they're they're not supposed to use it if they're young like under the age of 26 they're more vulnerable to having psychosis and maybe schizophrenia later it increases the risk to suicide depression anxiety the list goes on and on and so this is how i became involved in this issue and then so when the pot shops came to Hermosa beach i knew that these businesses were trying to get into redondo beach manhattan beach el segundo hermosa beach all at once. And then they're going into 10 other cities doing the same thing that we have to get the word out to people why we need to not allow this in our community. And well over 50% of California does not have legal access to marijuana. And there's a reason for it. And one of the biggest ones is uh, public safety.
0: Okay. So let me ask you this, Carolyn, Can you give me the history of how cities banned cannabis after Prop 64 passed?
1: Sure. Um, Let me go back a little further. Go ahead. Um, October of 2015, Mm -hmm. the California state legislature uh, passed three bills, which Gavin Newsom signed. No, actually, that was Governor Brown at the time, um, which the governor signed into law. And what that did was legalized medical use of marijuana cities still were given the option for local control. And so what we did in Hermosa beach and other beach cities did the same thing is we passed a ordinance, a municipal ordinance in early 2016 to ban cannabis dispensaries in our town, as did many beach cities. So this was the medical use, Uh, Fast forward to around um, October, the fall of 2016, is when Proposition 64 passed legalizing recreational use of marijuana. Our our city council um, the next year, again, uh, banned cannabis dispensaries in Hermosa Beach for recreational use, as did all the other beach cities. Fortunately, there was a provision that, again, allowed for local control. And so that's kind of the brief history. And and I will say, as an elected official, when I was on city council through 2017, nobody ever came before the city council and said they had an issue with this. Nobody. And even in the intervening years between then and now, nobody has ever said they had an issue with this. Um, The reason this is even a discussion now is because the cannabis industry has decided they have an issue with this. They want dispensaries in every single town in the state of California. That is their goal. They have deep pockets and they are going to keep trying. And so they have the money to fund a petition to get uh, get this on the ballot, which is what they've done in Hermosa Beach, Manhattan Beach, uh, El Segundo, and other cities. So they basically put pressure on a city council. Either you establish your own ordinance overturning the ban, or we're going to run a ballot measure.
0: But what, like, just to backpedal a little bit, I think that people just don't didn't understand it. They don't understand. And also, if you're a listener listening to this, so you could be living in like Los Angeles, which is a very big it, Los, We technically are a part of Los Angeles, not Los Angeles County, but it's kind of like where you say you're from Washington DC. I'm from Maryland, and I still say I'm from DC because it's just like this big metropolitan area. But we well, live not in the- really
1: not really though. Um, We're an incorporated city.
0: I but I say that because when people hear it, they're like, "Well, you you're in Los Angeles." Just if they're a listener listening outside, so I'm trying to describe that the beach cities are very small, so it's the uh, primarily families and kids, and in like Redondo, El Segundo, uh, Hermosa, Manhattan Beach, and the reason, the biggest reason why this is so scary, when I started to look into it or talk to Michelle or learn about it is because this will directly affect our children and, and it's going to be bad. So the, the homeless crisis is going to get worse. There's a huge homeless crisis. If you're listening from a different place in, in LA period and San Francisco. And, um, and a lot of this has to do with the drug epidemic, right? So I just kind of like wanted to paint the picture for my listeners. So they kind of understand, where we stand. And I didn't kind of go over that, so I wanted to point that out. Um can you, Carolyn, kind of talk about the recent happenings um chronicling what happened um, in the cannabis industry since 2021?
1: Um well I can talk about the ballot measure and I think it's important okay. to point out that we are an incorporated city. Um Manhattan Beach is an incorporated city. Redondo Beach is a charter city. So when you are not part of the city of Los Angeles, you have more local control. That's the disadvantage of being in Los Angeles. The distance between a council member and his constituents is incredible. Mm -hmm. But in our town, we know our council members, and that's the advantage of living in a smaller town. Um, It only takes 10% of the registered voters to get something on the ballot. That's it. So it's not difficult if you have deep pockets to get a ballot measure, get an initiative on the ballot. And this is what they've done in our town and in surrounding towns. Basically, all they have to do is find a shill. They find one person who lives in the community who is willing to serve as the name in that community. Mm-hmm. They pay people to canvass the neighborhoods,
2: get signatures, and it's on. And not only that, but they were uh, dishonest, their their signature gatherers, about what they were gathering signatures for. They would say, this is to prevent illegal pot shops. This is to raise money for uh, firefighters and school teachers. I mean, they were giving misinformation that was reported in the local papers. So we don't know that everybody who signed the petition actually wanted to have uh, legal cannabis on the ballot. Or wanted to overturn the ban for legal. Well, cannabis. how could they even do that?
0: I mean, I know it's everything's corrupt, but like, how could they get away with doing that?
2: Well,
1: well, let me let me kind of explain that. So, okay. if you word if you word initiative and these things are, I don't know if this is twenty three pages long, a lot of text. Um, what is it? It is it is an initiative that that regulates cannabis dispensaries in town. So they're knocking the door and say, "Would you like to regulate cannabis dispensaries?" Well, of course I would. Um, There are provisions in there as part of the scoring mechanism. If they donate some, and this is a very minimal part of the scoring, but if you donate a small amount of money to a nonprofit, uh, it, it helps with your score. Well, would you like to raise more money for your nonprofit? So. You can always wordsmith around things um, mm-hmm. to get people to sign things. The burden is on the person to just not sign something unless they read it. But the reality is who's gonna read 23 pages? Somebody knocks on their door, they're charming. It just it happens. That's just part of the process. I agree with Heidi. It's it's wrong, but um, that's just the way people are. People are trusting. If somebody knocked on their door and they're friendly, they're they're potentially gonna tend to sign. Now they came to my house twice. So I know they were going around multiple time, times trying to get signatures, and it wasn't as easy as they, they thought it was. But again, 1,700 signatures, you pay people a lot of money to just walk, walk, walk. They're going to get their signatures.
0: Well, you. what about how the cities responded? So tell me about um, the consideration of competing measures and looking ahead to voter education. That was something that you had sent me to talk about.
1: Um, what the industry has done and they're pretty savvy is they, in our town, and I think in other towns, they crafted a very poorly written initiative for a variety of reasons, very poorly drafted. They did it on purpose. They did it to box the council in because what they know is this, if you can have two initiatives on the ballot for cannabis, one's going to win. If you have won. People can fight against it. But if you have two, one's going to win. And that has always been their strategy. So they write a poorly drafted initiative to box count city councils in. And they say to the city council, if this initiative passes, this does not bode well for your community. And then city council thinks, well, shoot, what do we do? Do we put a better one on the ballot? Uh, what do we do? Because we don't want this to pass. And so they get boxed mm-hmm. in. And I will say to our city council, to their credit, saw through it. They're pretty smart, too. And they said, we are not going to put a competing ordinance on the ballot because then we're basically sponsoring a ballot measure of our own. And we don't agree this is in the best interest of our community. I think Manhattan Beach currently is grappling with it. Some city councils have decided they're going to just pass an ordinance, which has not gone well for them. Let me put it that way. They think that they can outsmart these people and they can't. The best thing is to just say no.
0: Well, let me ask you a question. If, like, you're somebody like me, for example, I have a podcast, so I have a platform. What if you're just the average Joe and you want to get involved and you want to do something to stop this? What can people do, especially local residents?
1: Okay. Well, I'm really glad you asked me that because we are going to be running a campaign. We have been actually running a campaign. Um, but uh, we would love it if people would help us. Um, people can email safehermosa at gmail.com, safehermosa at gmail.com, um, and, and offer to help. We're going to be raising money. We need people to volunteer. That'd be really helpful. Now I'll tell you, there's the same thing going on in Manhattan beach. So if anybody lives in Manhattan beach and hears this, they can email no pot shops in MB at gmail.com. So no pot shops with an S at the end in mb at gmail.com.
0: Um, what about Redondo? Redondo is a little bit further along from what I understand. That's you know what? I can't
1: speak to Redondo. It's okay. been changing a lot. Redondo is a charter city. They have a little more autonomy as to what they're doing. I don't know who's organizing the resistance in Redondo, uh, okay. but it's literally even this this month, things have been changing, I believe
2: yeah I think it's on their ballot. I mean it's on the discussion at their city council tonight um, what they want to do. I mean the city council is considering passing their own ordinance to overturn the ban so that they can um, legal they can legally and safely regulate uh, legal marijuana shops um, so that in the hopes that people won't vote for the cannabis business led initiative.
0: Okay, I'm going to be posting on like in the show notes um, for the listeners that are listening, local listeners, um, and also just listeners in general. Um, You can look at some of this information, but if you are a local resident, especially to like Hermosa or Manhattan or like Redondo, wherever you want to get involved, there's always ways to get involved. The reason that I want to move on and kind of talk to Heidi right now is because You might be listening to the beginning of this episode, and Carolyn is very smart, and I hope I did a good job with the questions that I've asked so far. But the reason, like you need a fire underneath your skin to get, at least for me, if I know that this is going to affect my children's lives or my community's life, or um, it's it's something dangerous and could be life threatening, I. I'm sorry, I'm a parent. I want to be involved. And I think that a lot there's a lot of local parents that are like, "Well, it's just pot. Who cares? I smoked pot. I smoked pot as a teenager. Not a big deal." Not true. Completely different, completely different marijuana um than it was when when we were teenagers. Correct?
2: That's true. Uh, when we were teenagers, there were no vape pens. Mm-hmm. There were no dab rigs. There was- no oil. There were no concentrates. A lot of people, when you say, have you heard of a dab? They don't, they don't know what you're talking about. I thought a, a dab, dab is high potency. Yeah. What is it? Right. Yeah. People the, think it's, it's high potency. And that's what they're selling legally in pot shops. And people talk about it as though it's a wellness product, as though it's healthy, good for your health. Same with vape pens uh-huh. and these products. Are several times 10, 20, 30 times stronger than the marijuana some of us remember growing up with. And people aren't talking about that. Very few people even know what products are being sold right now. And so when adults say, Oh, I smoked marijuana when I was young and I'm fine, they have, they, Probably don't know about the high potency marijuana product. And they can go to nopotshops.com and there are videos and pictures of high potency products so they can see what they look like. And so, one of the problems is that when you increase the potency of the product, that's the THC, THC is a psychoactive ingredient. And you increase that potency, that makes the effects much stronger. And so now when I was young, I had a little bit of marijuana and I lost touch with reality on it. That was like when it was 3% THC, Mm -hmm. there's a small portion of the population, about 10 to 15% of us who are predisposed to mental illnesses like psychosis, but who knows they are? Do we talk about this at the dinner table? Oh, by the way, we have cancer in our family. We have heart disease in our family. We have mental illness in our family. Really, I don't know anybody who talks about mental illness in their family. And so, marijuana is an external risk factor to pull the trigger for a psychotic experience that wouldn't have happened otherwise. So, in other words, what happened to me is exactly what can happen. I was fine. I use a little marijuana, and then all of a sudden, I didn't know where I was. And I didn't know who I was with. And it was horribly frightening. It never happened to me before. It never happened to me afterwards. Ever again, did I ever lose touch with reality. So this is called cannabis-induced psychosis, where your use of marijuana makes you lose touch with reality. Now, that's 3% THC. Now, imagine me with my genetic sensitivity in today's world with a vape pen that's anywhere... Not 3% like what I used, but anywhere between 50 and 90% THC. It's unbelievable that they can make them this strong. And maybe me taking a little hit off a vape pen or a dab rig. What would happen to me? I mean, we hear about people winding up in the emergency rooms and this is one of the big things. This is one of the reasons why we have warning we have warning labels on uh in our state legislature is because emergency room visits due to today's high potency marijuana products have gone through the roof in California. They've shot up and one of the reasons is for cannabis-induced psychosis, like what I just described. It's just far more acute today. The psychosis is Far stronger than uh, like a, just a little. I don't know where I am. I don't know who I'm with. I mean, I have friends whose sons have like they, they they tried to jump out of the car on the freeway because they thought they were they saw burning buildings all around them, or they hear somebody shouting at them and telling them you know to that, that, that there are monsters coming out of the walls and so they run and jump. I mean, this really intense uh, psychosis. Um, so
0: and, and doesn't it affect boys more so than girls from what I understand. Yes. Okay. Some of the latest study, can you talk about that? Some of
2: the latest studies on that? I don't know that I really can. And I don't know that they can really discern why boys are, it to be more affected than, than, uh, young ladies. I do know that, um, yeah, a lot of the uh, marijuana induced suicides, um, are, are young men. It's so tragic. It is so tragic. And so if, you know, somebody is suffering from psychosis, then, or or other mental illnesses, or they um, have, you know, depression or anxiety, then, then their future prospects uh, are, are much tougher. It's much mm-hmm. tougher to get through college if, well, one, if you can't remember what you're learning, because marijuana definitely affects your your memory. And then mm-hmm. uh, two, if, you know, it's, it's hard to keep a job. Also, if you can't learn new things. And so there's just a lot of short and long term consequences to use. And my brother's life really uh, illustrates that. And so this is why I'm so passionate about him. He had a very good education, came from a good home, and he wound up um, homeless and marijuana uh, definitely impacted the situation for him.
0: Claritin-D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. I feel like I've been using Claritin-D for probably a few months now, and I have really noticed a difference. I can work out I'm not feeling like my eyes are watering and my nose is all stuffed up. I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so Well, I had another guest come on. Um, I think I told you about her, Heidi, and my listeners, if you listen to this episode with Maeve McGrath, her brother, Ryan, um, was, was homeless. Thankfully, I think I updated the audience that he started taking his meds and he's off the streets. Um, but he he also was a pot smoker. He had mental illness. He was diagnosed with as bipolar. Um, and then... it turns out that people have, and correct me with this, how I'm going to say this, it's called Agnes, Agnes Am I saying that incorrectly? I I think it, or Anos And I may not be
2: saying it correctly. No, you're saying it
0: correctly. I'm not. So that is, so a lot of times just to bring the homeless, because I wanted to kind of touch on that as well. Like all the things that are going on in, in our community, smash and grabs, um, crime, um, homelessness. I mean, sadly, I have lived in California longer than I've lived anywhere else. It's my home. I love the beach. I, I live for California and it's just to be a resident of California and see kind of what's happened over the past, I would say decade, it, it all is connected to this. And like you said, if somebody already has mental illness, then they smart start smoking pot. It's as if they just they lose their mind. So a lot of times you'll see the homeless people walking the streets, talking to the sky. Um, the other day, I don't know if you heard this. There was an Olympic athlete that w- um, was in downtown LA, and um, she was hit in the face, uh, in the eye. You know that they these people are, it's very sad. And I I hate to go down the road of homelessness, but this is all connected because they have access to getting marijuana. They have access in these tent cities, like specifically to Venice, which is something that is so sad as a resident. when I was young in my twenties, I would go to Venice, feel safe, walk, down Venice Boulevard. Now it's like homeless encampments everywhere. And it's, it's very political. Like they, you yeah. know, yeah. they've had it to is. go down there and pay people off, you know, to make sure her brother wasn't going to get killed every night. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind this. And I just kind of wanted to touch on that as well. Cause I think it's so important. And Heidi, will you kind of go into that for me or Carolyn, whoever wants to yeah. take it? I want to
1: say something about that. I left Mm -hmm. New York. I grew up in New Jersey, spent a lot of time in New York. I was there in the late 80s. New York in the late 80s, and this is before Rudy Giuliani came in, Mm -hmm. um, was like what you just described. Mm -hmm. I am telling you, I lived it. Homeless, trash, crime, drugs. When I moved out to Los Angeles, it was a whole new world. It was clean. I didn't see homeless. I didn't see trash. People weren't using drugs openly. L.A. now is what New York was then, and that's it. Literally why-
0: makes me want to cry because I because I, I it's devastating. You. Yeah, it is
1: policy driven. It is policy driven. It is. I cannot emphasize this enough. Elected officials matter. They make these decisions. When people vote for things, it matters. Um, This has happened because of decisions that people made, who they voted for. I I just can't emphasize that enough. People need to understand what they're voting for. And also it's this permissive culture, which is not good because you need to have standards as a society. That's what I agree. Out.
0: And I think that if you're a listener of mine, I always try to not be political because I, it's really, my podcast is about mental health and, but this is about mental health. This is a crisis. It's a, it's a a, a crisis of mental health, in my opinion, and it all has to do with deep pockets and money. And sadly, that's what's happening And you know, all over the country right now, you know, the United States is a completely different place, and it makes me want to cry, because if you were alive, um, I did an episode with Will Hamino, who was a police officer that went into the Twin Towers and risked his own life to save, you know, other human beings, and was trapped under the rubble, and he did it because he loved his country, and he loved serving his country, and then, you know, for all of us after that happened, it was like, I don't, I'm sure you remember, it was like, you would be driving down the freeway and you would just be like, no, it's your turn. Go ahead. And now it's just become, uh, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, I like, don't get me started, but it really is about educating yourself, not just voting to vote. And I am guilty of it. A hundred percent. I would go in. I knew who I wanted to be president. I knew who I wanted to be like vice president. I didn't really look at the ballot. I didn't really understand all the measures. I just like would look at the LA Times and kind of like guess. But that's not what we need to do as a society. Really need to educate yourself before you vote on measures like, you know, where we are right now. Because a lot of things that are going on would not be happening if people would have just really understood and paid attention. Am I right?
1: Yeah. And you know what I'd like to do if, if So if I was walking down the street and somebody mm-hmm. said to me, because I know people aren't going to read the entire ballot initiative, and I did want to do somewhat of a little bit of a dive into the initiative and why it's so bad. To your point, people need to be it's educated. I would say yes. Yeah. So if someone me walking down the street and said, well, what's wrong with this ballot initiative? They told me that it was just to regulate cannabis dispensaries. I would say this. I would say, number one, serious public safety concerns. Okay. Number two, don't believe there's money. Okay. Number three, expect that we're going to be sued. I can further elaborate on that as a city. And number four, these dispensaries would operate with fewer conditions than alcohol serving establishments. That's it in a nutshell. And I can deep dive into all of these, but because people don't want to hear 23, 46 pages, however long it is of stuff. Those are the main issues.
0: But like, also let's talk about the fact Sorry. Now I'm on my pedestal. I'm all fired up. Let's talk about the fact that there's laws against drunk driving, right? You can't, you've, you're drinking, you get behind the wheel of a car, you drive it. Why are there no law? Like, why am I driving on the freeway with smelling skunk, you know, with my two kids in the car and there's just pot smoke everywhere. I know. And that is a crime
2: is against the law to drive when you're impaired on marijuana, but a lot of people don't know it they di- or they disregard it or they say, it's my medicine, so everything's yeah. fine. And one of the things that we really have to pay attention to, especially here in the beach cities, is that alcohol-impaired drivers are more likely to kill pedestrians and joggers after 10 p.m. at night. That's what the data shows. But marijuana-impaired drivers are more likely to kill pedestrians, joggers, bicyclists, during the day during rush hour because they are using during rush hour both morning and late afternoon and so this is a really important thing for us to know especially here in the beach community so if we normalize this substance and we say yeah it's medicine and yeah you should wake and bake how are people getting around Mm -hmm. how are they driving around and think about all of our kids on those bikes going where they're going with impaired drivers during the day. And people say, Oh, it's the middle of the day. You're fine. Well, actually, you know, you
0: already more- have enough issues with the bike helmets and kids. I mean, almost getting killed on a day. Di- I, I almost have hit kids numerous times that aren't paying attention. So that's terrifying to think about. Mm-hmm. This podcast is sponsored by better help. I talk a lot about how therapy helped save me. It really did save my life. I started this podcast several years ago to talk about my own struggles with mental health in order to hopefully better and help others. So I'm such an advocate and a fan of BetterHelp. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online, available to, pe- available to people worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. BetterHelp is a great way to invest in yourself. And they have a special offer for my listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com judgingmegan judging Megan. That's 10% off your first month of online therapy at betterhelp.com forward slash judging Megan. Well, let me ask you this: like, take a little, like a little turn. If you're, say, you're a, a listener of mine and you're listening to this right now, and you're just saying, and I'm just giving like the devil's advocate, like the other side. Oh, these women—they're all like, you know, crazy moms or whatever it is, and they just don't like—they're anti-pod and they're anti-this, and um, and like it's harmless, like how do we really get people to understand all the things that go behind why this is so important, specifically in small communities? Can you kind of touch on that?
1: Yes, really good question. So public safety being the number one issue, which our police Mm -hmm. chief has said, it's an issue, it's a concern. But um, And Heidi has a lot of data on this. I would say to anybody, just open up a browser and type in, California cannabis dispensary robbery or smash and grab, and see the litany of responses. These are armed robberies, many of them happening during the day. They're not happening mm-hmm. night when everybody is ensconced in their home, but Heidi has some stats oh, yeah. on smash and grabs and
2: oh yeah, in Oakland, California, there was like twenty five in one week. <laughs> That's
0: December. Wait, can you tell me oh, when no. you're saying smash and grab? So if you're local to like our community, for example, there was a smash and grab at Pasha Jewelry in Manhattan Beach like two weeks ago. Um, tell me what exactly what you're talking about. Smash and grabs in general or just go into the detail, the sti- like
2: some of the. Yeah, smash and grabs inside. And so they're in the same way that people will go in, robbers will go into a jewelry store and they're after both the jewelry and the money. That's what they do in a pot shop as well. They'll go in and they will smash and grab for the product and for the cash because currently it is a cash only business. But even if it was legalized at the federal level and there wasn't cash in there, they would still be going in after the product. And a lot of people don't understand that these tiny, tiny little packages are extremely potent. Those are the high, high potency concentrates that we were talking about. So it doesn't take much to fill up your bag with a lot, a lot of product. And this is... Are they
0: going in, sorry to talk over you, are they going in to um, take it and then resell it? Oh yeah. Oh okay. yeah. They'll sell it on
2: the black market. And that's also one of the ways that uh, people under your age get yeah. their hands on is definitely through theft. And um, one of the other things is that uh, an 18-year-old in California can get a medical card for any reason, any medical reason at all. And that's what it says in the law, these reasons or any other reason that your doctor determines. And so the same 18-year-old who cannot buy a beer or cannot buy a cigarette can get a medical card and get pretty much as much marijuana, high potency THC as they can get. And then they take the overflow and they turn around and they are able to sell it to younger kids. And this is what has happened in Colorado. And they really, it's called looping and they really clamped down on this in the last year and their use has gone down in Colorado. Okay,
0: So in Colorado there, they, it sounds like they have their arms around this. What's happening here. Should I even ask?
2: we have almost no regulations. And that's one yeah. of the things that makes it uh, super dangerous for our communities. I mean, when we voted for this, we didn't have the data on the harms to a community. We didn't have data about smash and grabs. We didn't have data about marijuana impaired driving. And we still kind of don't because California doesn't collect data on marijuana impaired driving, but they do in Colorado. And so um, there's all this data that we have found out since legalization and there is a lot of reasons to be glad that we don't have a legal pot shop because it normalizes it further, it increases youth use, and it increases access for the youth to get their hands on it. And even there's a video on nopotshops.com if you look under the um, about menu item and you look uh, for the ten reasons why not to, to ten reasons to keep the ban, and then we have one on the increase of youth use. And there was a, a sting video done by um, CBS or NBC, I can't remember, but they show a guy in LA, an adult in LA, going into a pot shop, buying the pot, and then reselling it to teenagers. And they've got it all on on camera. And so this is what happens when you put one inside a community. And just like other friends that I've had who kids have grown up in a community where there's a legal pot shop, the kids mm-hmm. like, go, oh, what is that? It looks like a business that's just as legit as a shoe store or a cupcake shop. And this is not a cupcake shop. This comes with a lot of risks to it. And so then they want to know, well, maybe why don't I check out that? I mean, and, and the data shows that they have a stronger intention to use and they have a more positive perception about the product just by having uh, a sign. Or just by having it uh, legal in their own community, and so um, it's so it doesn't matter when they say, "Oh, well, we're, we only sell to people who are 21." You know, yes, that does help, but the perception of the youth is. Um, really takes a toll. And, and so what they do is when they are able, like Michelle Leopold's son, he was able to get his medical marijuana card at the age of 18 without his parents knowing anything. And he was having terrible mental health problems with it, violent outbursts, and they would take the medical card away from him and he would just go get another one and go get as much product as he wanted, just like I described. And he was reselling it, if I understand Uh, correctly too.
0: Here's the thing. Here's the thing also with Trevor is, you know, Michelle and I talk about this in the episode, just like most parents, right? If you're, you're like, oh, I smoked pot when I was young. No big deal. I mean, he was very upfront with her. He's like, I'm, I'm, I want you to know I'm smoking pot. This is when he first started, right? Most parents would be like, well, I'd rather you smoke pot and be in the house than go to some party and drink and get behind the wheel and kill yourself or kill someone else. Very mm-hmm. innocent, not understanding what potentially could happen. And there's, right. there's there's stories behind this. There's that movie, what's it called? Um, Beautiful, Beautiful Boy. Um, there is so much information that should be like it should m- make us all wake up. Right. Because we yeah. need, we are getting the wool pulled over our eyes and it's like little fires starting little fires. And one person learns, oh, well that happened to my son that happened to my daughter, but then it's too late. And that's the problem
3: yeah. is that we yeah.
0: don't want this to
2: be too late. We can still fix this in our community. Correct. That's absolutely correct. We can all say no. We can say we want to keep the ban and we want to tell our community and our youth, most especially, that this is not something that we endorse or something that we stand for. We say no to drugs. And um, of all the the drugs that can cause a psychotic reaction, make a person lose touch with reality, the one that converts to schizophrenia, which is the long-term mental illness, which is what we see with the people who are living, uh, Uh, with homelessness on our streets, um, the one that converts to schizophrenia most often is marijuana. And that's above hallucinogens, above meth, above alcohol, above cocaine, marijuana. And everyone needs to understand that, that when we talk about mental health wellness, then one of the most important things we can do is to say, do not use marijuana because that increases your risk to acquire a mental illness, especially if you're under the age of 27. And, you know, horrifically, if you are even younger than that, you know, 12, 13, I was 12 when I first tried it. I mean, that mm-hmm. is no age to be doing it. I'm terrible. And that's why I really want people to understand not to take that risk.
0: Well, I mean, I, I, in closing, unless there's other things that you kind of I'm missing, I really want to reiterate how people can can get involved um, in in this. This is a crisis. It's a crisis, in my opinion. And um, can you kind of touch on some of the ways we kind of already went through it, but I just want to reiterate it. And um, this isn't being voted on, if I'm correct, until November. Am I right on that or no? Uh,
1: it, it, yeah, it, it's on the November ballot. It's in Hermosa. Um, it, it Most likely is. it's in Manhattan Beach as well. Um, and I kind of just want to, in closing, just re- re- reiterate those four things, okay? Mm-hmm. Why people should vote now. Public safety concerns, just like we've talked about. We haven't even gotten into the money, but I will tell you right now, nobody should think that there's free-flowing money coming to the community. That is an absolute fallacy. Expect that the city is going to be sued. We didn't do a deep dive. Nobody wants to hear all this stuff, but I will tell you right now, it is happening over and over again. These cannabis companies come around. When they don't win the permit, they sue. And then just the last thing, the fact that a cannabis operator would operate under fewer conditions than a, a bar, that's a restaurant that serves alcohol, just goes to show that the priorities are completely mixed up. So I, I just wanted to get those four things out. So um, like I said before, Safe save Hermosa. Here, let me just look it up again. Um, we are going to be running a campaign. We are coming up against people with uh, deep pockets. So we need people to help us. We need community to help us. So safehermosa at gmail.com. And if people live in Manhattan Beach, no pot shops, MB at gmail.com. Um, It's a grassroots effort, and I think that, to your point, if we can serve as a bellwether and have the no be a resounding no, then it starts to send a warning to these companies. Don't go city by city trying to impose this. People voted yes on Prop 64. I think they voted to decriminalize it, not to have cannabis shops all over the place, but the industry is using that as the excuse to say everybody wants it. But I think it's time for people to start looking at the future, saying this is not what we want. And if it can be a resounding defeat here in Hermosa Beach, and hopefully the same thing in Manhattan Beach, they're going to start to get the message that it's not going to be as easy as they
2: think. And one other thought that I want to share with you is that the media oftentimes portrays it as, oh, look, it's so popular. It's spreading across California. It's spreading across our country. Voters want it. No. As we described here, this was not led by the community. It was led by a business that came in and found somebody to be the petitioner in the city. And by the way, these petitioners have not, they're called the petitioner, right? OK, they haven't been going around gathering signatures. They haven't gone to the city council meetings. They're they're just in name alone. They're like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll be the guy. And then the business comes in and does everything. So it's an addiction for profit industry that is putting it on the ballot and spreading it across uh, cities and communities. This is this is one of the ways that it is spreading. And I think the media needs to be honest about this and not just say, oh, it's so popular. Everybody wants it. It's like what Carolyn said. We didn't want to see people going to jail. We didn't necessarily want to sell it in our community. And so when they come in and say, oh, you voted for it in such high numbers, where's your pot shop? It's like, um, that's not why we voted for it we were trying to help some people stay out of jail you know but it's so- also
0: it's been glamorized so much by the media yeah. um i'm guilty like i told you i was like oh i like i'm taking the gummies the cbd and like just spe- spe- the th there's a little bit of thc in it and i get it online so i can sleep and it's really helped me But then you find out, well, this has all been glamorized. So I'm an adult. I'm, like I said, fully formed brain. I'm just saying that I don't really know if that's true. And like, but these are, it's about targeting our kids and and the long-term effects of what it's going to do to our kids. Look at what vape pens have done to our kids. Look at all the studies that are coming out on vaping. Mm -hmm. Look at what's happened with tobacco and the tobacco industry and how they targeted young kids. And it was fine. And it was like mad men and glamorous, you know, to smoke. I know in college I smoked and I thought it was super cool. That's what's happening. Young teenagers don't have the ability, their brains are not fully developed to be able to say no, they just Mm -hmm. don't. So as parents and as adults, so say you don't have kids and you're listening to this, do it for like, for your community. Do it for our future. Do it so we can maybe save our beautiful community and our beaches and all the things that we love about California that we want to come back. We don't want our homeless issue to get worse. We don't want our mental health crisis to get worse. We don't want our, um, our drug crisis to get worse. And we especially don't want this gateway drug, which is marijuana, which then turns into kids ordering fentanyl pills online because they're doing cartoons about them, and they're they're thinking they're ordering a Xanax, and then they end up dead. So, I I hate to beat a dead horse. I am so glad that we had this conversation. You both are just amazing, awesome ladies. I love people that are passionate, and they like they like go. This is important, and here's why. And it's really because your hearts are good and your hearts are coming from the right place. So you better be
2: freaking really proud of yourselves. That's what I'll say in closing. Thank you. And just let me say lastly, there are people who wanted to get it, can get it very close. It's like a 10 minute drive, you know? And so the fact that they're coming here saying, oh, you don't have it. It's like, nobody, like Carolyn said, nobody complained about this before
0: it's legitimately a 10 minute drive. It's near the airport. I'll say that there's one there. So that's, that's true. Um, in closing, I just want to thank you both again, so much. I'm going to be, um, posting this, um, up on YouTube. So you'll be able to watch it on YouTube. Please share if you're listening to this and you had no idea, like I was six months ago, not understanding this. I'm like, Oh, it's harmless, whatever. It's not, it's not harmless. do yourself a favor and share this with your friends, share it with the community. The more people that understand this, the better we are, we are of saving our community. So I'll say that. And in closing, be happy by making other people happy.
2: Thank you, Megan. Thanks, Megan.